a silver screen all the other actors just degrade his noble scenes the Oscars should award him for his wondrous career hold the town parade for him with each movie premiere folks, Mackenzie Lambert here, your host for Mac and the Movies, where we look at everything from art house to grindhouse, mainstream to obscure, the forgotten and the unforgettable. I hope you all had a great Thanksgiving and celebrated how you wanted, despite the vocal preferences of certain politicians. None of your business, Cuomo, and uh, de Blasio, you can take a long walk off a short pier. On this episode, we will take a look at some Bruce Campbell films outside of the Evil Dead series. These films were released between 2003 and 2007. First, we'll look at Bubba Hotep, followed by Alien Apocalypse, The Man with the Screaming Brain, and My Name is Bruce. Normally, I look at the f- subject's pre-film life, but Campbell was heavily involved in an early age uh, with the films before The Evil Dead with the likes of Sam Raimi, Scott Spiegel, and Josh Becker, making Super 8 films. Besides, the man has two autobiographies which are engaging reads that I highly recommend. If Chins Could Kill and Hail to the Chin can be purchased anywhere books are sold. Plus, we have a new giveaway courtesy of the folks at Paramount Pictures. Now let's dive into the movies. Spoilers ahead. We got movies! But this place. It ain't much of a home, but it's all I got. Oh, God damn it. I'll be damned if I let some foreign graffiti writing, soul sucking son of a bitch in an oversized cowboy hat and boots. Take my friend's souls and shit them down the visitor's toilet. And 
the movies, I always played heroic types. But when the stage lights went out, it was time for drugs and stupidity and the coveting of women. Now it's time. Time to be a little of what I'd always fantasized being. Imagine, if you will, that the Elvis Presley we knew and loved didn't actually die. The one we knew as dead is really just an impersonator. The real Elvis is in an East Texas rest home, bedridden and with cancer on his penis. Also at this rest home is a black resident who thinks he's former President John F. Kennedy, as well as an elderly gentleman by the name of Kimo Sabi who thinks he's the Lone Ranger. With the residents dying mysteriously, Kennedy suspects an otherworldly danger. After seeing hieroglyphics on the bathroom wall, Kennedy and Elvis believe a mummy sneaks into the rest home and sucks the souls out of the residents. Despite cynicism at first, Elvis agrees to help Kennedy after seeing the mummy with his own eyes. Now, the former commander-in-chief and the true king must take down the mummy and save the folks at the rest home. The Elvis vs. Mummy concept has its root in the driving classics of yesteryear. Think Jesse James meets Frankenstein's daughter or Billy the Kid meets Dracula. Yet, there is a genuine heart in Bubba Hotep with the narration and development of Elvis throughout the film. Talking about Priscilla, Lisa Marie, Colonel Parker, adds drama to the hybrid nature of the film. Here I was complaining about loss of pride and how life had treated me, and now I realize... I never had any pride. And much of how life had treated me had been good, and the bulk of the bad was my own damn fault. Should have fired Colonel Parker by the time I got on the pictures. Old Fart had been a shark and a fool, and I was an even bigger fool for following him. If only I had treated Priscilla right. If I could have told my daughter I loved her. Always the questions, never the answers. Always the hopes ever the fulfillment. As strange as the concept sounds, it's based off of a short story by Nakajoja's Texas writer, Joe R. Lansdale. While I'm only familiar with his novel, Flaming London, an adaption of Pigeons from Hell, Bubba Hotep sounds typical of Lansdale's writings. Mashing together iconic pop culture personalities in crazy situations is a common element of Landell's writing, and this was before similar-styled novels like Abraham Lincoln, Vampire Hunter, or Pride and Prejudice and Zombies became a horror trend. Director Don Coscarelli of Phantasm and Beastmaster proves he can make the most of very little with this film. The cast and crew consisted of around 20 to 30 people. The set design was basic, but still established the somber tome of the film. Cuscarelli knew he was making an offbeat film, but still made the best film he could. That earnestness shows through every time I see this cult gem. Brian Tyler composes and performs the music score for the film. He takes a catchy theme and repeats it throughout the film using different instruments that yield different tones. Here's the main theme that uses a rock melody.
And now here's the same theme, but with uh, the piano rendition, which is strikingly effective and stuck with me long after the movie ended. Bruce Campbell gives one of his greatest performances as the geriatric Elvis. He almost becomes the king from the nuances to the voice. Campbell gets as deep into a character as I've ever seen from him compared to his turns as, say, Ash Williams. Thanks in part to the makeup effects of Howard Berger and Greg Nicotero, Campbell looks the part. Joining Campbell is an impressive group of supporting character actors. The late Ossie Davis gives us one last joyful performance to remember him by as JFK. Ella Joyce of the TV show Rock has some great moments with Campbell as Elvis's nurse, notably when she has to apply lotion to his cancer-infected member. Stuntman Bob Ivey does a lot by doing very little as the mummy. Coscarelli regular Reggie Bannister of the Phantasm series has a bit part as the overseer of the rest home. Bubba Hotep, for many people, is their favorite non-Evil Dead Bruce Campbell film. It's one of the few roles that Campbell actually played a character as opposed to an extension of himself. Campbell, along with a game cast and crew, help elevate the film above the goofy premise. It's genuine and not conceited in being a cult film, when many wallow in irony and cynicism. After 40 years in space, four brave astronauts return home. Wasn't Portland in the middle of the woods? But life as they remember it has changed. My name is Captain Chuck Burks, United States Air Force. Aliens have enslaved the human race. Tell me now, who are you? What's going on? What are you aliens doing here? And they are destroying the planet. Do your work well and you will live. That is your only choice. What are these aliens doing here? Wood. They're here for wood? They slowly but surely stripping all the trees on Earth. Now, it's up to one man. Above the tyranny. What are you doing? And fight for freedom. They die, everything dies. In an epic battle to save the world. We're gonna take on these aliens. And we're gonna free my friend and all the other slaves at the sawmill. Now who will join me in my quest? Mr. President, someone's gotta lead this rebellion, and if it's not gonna be you, then it might as well be me. What so much? Eat this! After a 40-year mission, a group of astronauts return to Earth, specifically Oregon. 
only they return to a post-apocalyptic nightmare. Two members are killed, one shot for being injured, and another has their head bitten off by one of the insect invaders. Humanity has become enslaved by an insect race that is cultivating the planet's wood supply. Without new trees being planted, humanity will die from oxygen deprivation. It is only Ivan and Kelly who are the hope for humanity. They learn that the President of the United States is alive. They hope that they can connect with the President and bring back his resistance forces to take down the aliens. But they have to navigate the unknown land around them. According to the quarter review on the box cover, Alien Apocalypse is Army of Darkness meets Starship Troopers. That is very much a stretch, to say the least. The film lacks the satirical nature of Starship Troopers. Alien Apocalypse borrows heavily from Planet of the Apes and a lesser-known film called The Aftermath. The Aftermath was about an astronaut that comes back to Earth to find it's become a nuclear wasteland filled with raiders, ghouls, and radiation storms. Alien Apocalypse was pitched to the Sci-Fi Channel, who greenlit the film. The film was set in Oregon, but filmed in Bulgaria for budgetary reasons. The film was a surprise ratings hit, which paved the way for the man with the screaming brain to finally end its tenure in developmental hell. Josh Becker was at the helm for Alien Apocalypse as director and co-writer, Becker goes all the way back to the Super 8 films with Bruce Campbell and Sam Raimi. The experience with Evil Dead allowed for Becker to become a filmmaker in his own right. Thou Shall Not Kill Except, Lunatics A Love Story, and Running Time have grown to have their own cult fan bases. Joining Becker on the writing duties was frequent Raimi collaborator Rob Tappert, although Tappert went uncredited. Tappert is a frequent producer of movie and television. Movie producer credits include the Evil Dead trilogy, Darkman, Hard Target, Time Cop, Don't Breathe, The Grudge, and 30 Days of Night. One interesting crew member was the film cinematographer David Wirth. Wirth, a noted director in his own right, was at the helm of such gems as Kickboxer, The Lady Dragon Films, and Shark Attack 3, Megalodon. There has been some contention between Worth and Fred the Hammer Williamson over directing credits for Warrior of the Lost World, starring the Paper Chase Guy and Mega Weapon. Bruce Campbell seems to be on autopilot here as Ivan. His performance comes off as a means to an end, which was him directing his own movie, Man with the Screaming Brain. The acerbic energy is lacking here. Renee O'Connor plays Kelly, one of the other astronauts. She's a veteran of Xena Warrior Princess and does well in the action sequences. She adds the heart to the film. John Carpenter regular Peter Jason plays the president. He has a small part, but he lends much credibility. The man has over 260 credits, including They Live, Escape from L.A., 48 Hours, and Mortal Kombat. Of the films reviewed in this episode, Alien Apocalypse may be the weakest. It is certainly one of Campbell's least entertaining performances. There are also better Josh Becker films out there. I wouldn't even recommend this film for the Campbell completists. Somewhere in Bulgaria, a crime is about to be committed. Where I come from, a little place called America, the customer is always right. Too bad you're here now. Two very different men are killed in a crime of passion, and their world turned upside down. Bring those bodies to me. I would prepare the lab. Da. 
world is a dangerous place, Mr. Cole. What happened to me? The right side of your brain was severely damaged. Killed my husband, bitch. One man, two different minds. We gotta find the woman that killed us both. But a common goal. We'd like a drink. What can I get for you? Scotch on the rocks. Vodka or nothing. Vodka tastes like lighter fluid. I agree. Scotch tastes like peace water. No, it doesn't. In a world turned upside down. Stop the car! God! Two opposites must work together. I'm looking forward to this. To settle a common score. That's him! He raped me on my wedding day! This just keeps getting better and better. And in the final showdown... Not bad, Charles Bros. All bets are off. We're getting the snot beat out of this. That's because you fight like a girl. Correction, we fight like a girl. Man with the screaming brain. Okay, now we fight dirty. William Cole is a rich CEO visiting Bulgaria on behalf of his company, who is looking to diverse their financial interests. He brings along his wife, Jackie. While Williams is at a subway tunnel, Jackie is having a fling with a taxi driver and former KGB agent, Jaeger. William returns to his hotel room and meets Tatoya, a maid and gypsy. Before arriving, Tatoya pocketed some money and a ring, which was given to William by Jaeger, but originally belonged to Tatoya. William is killed by Tatoya after receiving severe head trauma. Jaeger witnesses this and is killed himself. Out of mercy, Jackie has William's life support turned off. She goes to find Tatoya for revenge, only Tatoya kills Jackie by throwing her down a flight of stairs. The bodies of William, Jaeger, and Jackie end up at the warehouse of Dr. Ivan Ivanovich Ivanov and his assistant Pavel. Dr. Ivanov uses pieces of cerebral tissue from Jaeger to replace damaged brain tissue of William. Now William can hear Jaeger in his head. They want vengeance on Tatoya. Also, Jackie's brain is temporarily housed in a robot, which also wants revenge on Tatoya. Pavel has to run after both while Dr. Ivanov comes up with a permanent solution. Man with the Screaming Brain marked the feature film directorial debut of Bruce Campbell, The road to the film finally being produced is a long but amusing journey. The idea for a man with a screaming brain goes back to the 1980s with Campbell and David Goodman on a fishing trip. Through the decades, opportunity after opportunity to make the film is shot down. One time, Roger Corman was considered for producing the film, but they ultimately rejected it. After the success of Alien Apocalypse, the Sci-Fi Channel was willing to finance Campbell's next film. Thus, Man with a Screaming Brain was finally going to see the light of day. Originally, the film was set in East L.A., but due to the limited budget, it was found that shooting in Bulgaria would be more financially feasible. According to David Goodman, this made more sense since the film is very much a Frankenstein-type story, and shooting in that part of the world was actually a nice fit. Campbell spoke highly of the work ethic of the Bulgarian crews, despite what seemed like very little money they were earning. Man with a Screaming Brain is very much a horror version of a fish called Wanda. None of the main characters are likable, but they each have their own charm. 
Campbell's turn as William instantly recalls Kevin Klein's Otto with his sense of American exceptionalism and superiority. Each one has a motivation that they want to fulfill. They are interconnected. Ultimately, Dr. Ivanov is the one you end up rooting for since his work and goal is the most noble. After years of doing other production duties, Campbell finally lands in the director's chair for his first feature film. He also co-produced, co-wrote, and starred in Man with the Screaming Brain. After directing episodes of Xena and Hercules, he took to directing a film easily. Assisting with the writing was David Goodman and Rock Sandstorm. Goodman had been with Man with a Screaming Brain since the spark of the idea for the film back in the 1980s. Goodman was a regular associate with Campbell and Sam Raimi. Oh, and uh, Rock Sandstorm is actually Sam Raimi. Joseph LaDuca provided the music score. Uh, this shouldn't be a surprise considering LaDuca and Campbell's association goes all the way back to the original Evil Dead. Antoinette Byron plays the trophy wife Jackie. Her screen time is actually limited due to her character being killed off and her brain placed in a robot, played by Velimir Vallée. Byron was a soap opera regular, appearing on Melrose Place and All My Children. Vallée would go on to appear in Expendables 2 and Hitman's Bodyguard. Tamara Gorski plays the sinister Tatoya. She plays up the evil nature of the character, all the more believable with her Ukrainian heritage. Gorski was a regular on Canadian TV. Vladimir Kolev plays Jaeger, the KGB agent turned taxi driver. Kolev had a sleazy swagger that made for a nice contrast to Campbell's stiff nationalistic character. Kolev was previously in Alien Apocalypse, but would appear in the Hitman film with Tim Oliphant, based on the video game. Stacey Keach and Ted Raimi round out the supporting cast as the comedic duo of Dr. Ivanov and Pavel. Keach, one of the best character actors living today, appearing in dozens of movies. Ted, a Campbell associate that goes all the way back to his first turn as a Fink Shemp in Evil Dead. If you want to know what a Fink Shemp is, uh, go ahead and listen to my interview with Brandon Steer of Velocipaster. Uh, we go into a bit of detail of what that means. Man with a Screaming Brain is an enjoyable horror comedy, but moves away from the gory splat stick of the Evil Dead series. Campbell essentially made a horror version of A Fish Called Wanda. If you enjoyed that film, then Man with a Screaming Brain is one you will enjoy. I thought I told you to ditch all this monster movie crap. You know his movies. Maniac Cop? Morp? You know his name. Bruce Campbell is the greatest actor of his generation. Bruce Campbell. Hey, I know that guy. Unlike most action stars, I can speak, what's the word, English. He's kind to animals. Time for some hooch! Hooch for the pooch! He loves his fans. Give me your autograph. Ever see Rawhide? Yeah. Well, then you gotta keep them doggies rolling. And... Mr. Campbell, we need your help. When your town's in trouble... A group of teenagers unwittingly unleash Guan Di, the Chinese god of war protector of the dead. And unless you help us stop him, he will kill every one of us. He's the only man. You need someone who can take on a heinous monster and stop him in his tracks. For the job. That would be me. Give it Showtime, huh? Guan Di hasn't been unreached. I'm sorry, was that unreached? Grab your guns. You guys ready for some violence? I'll just have to limp along with this um, 31 longbow. 45 long slide. Long slide. Grab your women. Let's move that hand. Sorry about that. 
<laughs> it's time. And get ready. Are you ready for this, Bruce? Kid, I made a movie in Bulgaria. I'm ready for anything. For the legend. Then one night it happened. Retreat! They call. Judith! A rumble from below. Oh. You never told me that this monster was real. Bruce. I'm gonna stall the one-ton wonton. He's a protector of bean curd! Before he rips my head off and shoves it in my face. Just you and me, Top Ramen. Bruce Campbell, Ted Raimi, and Ted Raimi. Well, it's nice to know that tofu really is good for your health. My name is Bruce. Where the heck did you find this evil dead shampoo? Bruce, that's drain cleaner. Maybe that would explain the burning sensation. A group of teens are in the woods outside of the town of Goldlick. One of the teens, Jeff, gets cold feet at the prospect of making out with a girl and runs off. He finds a medallion and takes it, unleashing the Chinese god of the dead, Guan Di. Guan Di is his name. Guan Di is his name. Guan Yu Guan Mi. The evil spirit kills the other teens while Jeff gets away. On a movie set for a cheesy sci-fi flick, Bruce Campbell is promised a surprise by his agent. Jeff meets up with Campbell and kidnaps him. Campbell goes along with this, thinking it's part of his agent's surprise. When Campbell arrives, he thinks it's part of a movie. Little does he realize he's brought to fight a real demon spirit that aims to kill Annie in its path. My Name is Bruce blends numerous plot elements from other movies. Immediately, the three amigos comes to mind with actors fighting a menace that is perceived to be fake, but ends up being real. Some moments with Guan Di seem to be taken right out of Big Trouble in Little China. Even if you're not a horror fan, there's a lot for non-horror fans to appreciate. The film does have its share of flaws. The visual effects are simple, after effects quality, there isn't a lot of gore, nowhere near enough to satiate Evil Dead fans, but Campbell makes the most out of his limited budget. The detail and design of Guandi is impressive. While clearly it's a guy in a costume, the choice of a live-action monster speaks volumes more than a CGI monster would. Claudia Everett deserves credit for her costume design for the film's villain. Many critics saw this as a project to inflate Campbell's ego, um, a vanity project. Um, I mean, granted, he's the star, director, and producer, yet he doesn't make himself look good in this movie. He comes off as quite a jerk. Much like Ash in Army of Darkness, he's a loudmouth and a coward. And much like in the first Evil Dead, he's nearly useless in fighting the monster. Joseph LaDuca returns to compose the music score, While there isn't a signature melody or music piece, the minimal music suits the film. One shouldn't expect the grandiose score of Army of Darkness. Uh, Think more along the lines of his work for Xena Warrior Princess. The casting of this film reads like a who's who of Evil Dead actors. Ellen Sandweiss, who you may know as the victim of a tree rape, makes an appearance in this film, also named Cheryl. Danny Hicks, who was Jake from Evil Dead 2, and Tim Quill, the blacksmith from Army of Darkness, are gold-licked townsfolk. Ted Raimi pulls a Peter Sellers, playing three different roles. He's Campbell's agent, the sign painter, and an Asian elder who knows of Guan Di. 
He devours each role and really gets into his characters. While he only plays caricatures, he gives the film much-needed life. Yes, the film's appeal is very limited. It was clearly made for Campbell's fans, and the demand for a sequel is a sign that they are in abundance. However, this film stands as a good hello to Campbell's work. For the people out there yet to see any of the Evil Dead films, show them this film. Then you can judge based on doing so from their reaction. This holiday season, payback is coming to town. Mel Gibson stars as Santa Claus in the outrageous action comedy, Fat Man. When a 12-year-old boy receives a lump of coal in his stocking, he hires a highly skilled assassin to kill Santa. Tis the season to get even in this dark action comedy that keeps on giving. Buy or rent Fat Man and watch it tonight. Rated R from Paramount Pictures. Again, we have another giveaway with five digital codes for Fat Man starring Mel Gibson. All you have to do to be entered into the giveaway is to like the post for hashtag Fat Man. That can be found on both my Facebook and Twitter. Want to double your chances? Tell me your favorite unorthodox Christmas movie. Uh, Rare Exports, Christmas Evil, Santa vs. the Devil, My Two Front Teeth, uh, any films of that nature. I will announce the winners next Friday, December 4th. And that wraps up this episode of Mac and the Movies. Thanks for listening. Don't worry, I will do an episode on the Evil Dead trilogy next year. Next time on the show, it will be the final episode before the end of the year special. I will be looking at the films of Canadian-born director Lindsay Shanteth. On the docket are Devil Doll, Million Eyes of Sumeru, Clegg, a.k.a. The Bullet Machine, and The Killing Edge. If you like this content and want to support the program, consider a one-time donation via PayPal, Venmo, or Cash App. I have a subscribe star where for $1.99 a month, you can guide the creative direction of the show. I'm on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. I have a BitChute channel as well. All links in the description below. Until next time, this is Mackenzie Lambert for Mac and the Movies. Take care and stay safe. Sound, I'm lost in a crowd, and I'm hungry.